just put your hands out like this. Can I just ask you if you're able, if you can just close your eyes for a moment and say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. I ask that you'd touch me today. You'd speak to me today. You'd comfort me today. You'd correct me today. You'd challenge me today. I give you full permission in these next 30 so minutes to do something radical in my life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would change mindsets today. You would elevate us. You'd lift us up. You'd encourage us. You'd comfort us. You'd correct us. That each one of us in this room, including myself, would be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. What a beautiful time of worship. I love the fact that we don't just do sets here and just go through songs, but we choose songs that really honor the Lord. I'm becoming more convinced there's no such thing as a bad time of worship. It was either worship or it wasn't. And I just want to challenge us to be careful that we don't start worshiping worship or scoring worship, but we worship the Lord. This morning I was just felt like so often as a minister or preacher, you just want to go through your notes and make sure you've got everything in place. And I just thought, God, I just want to worship you. Just lost myself in worship. I forgot thinking about what I was going to say or what was next or all the people traveling right now and how they're doing and how's this person and how's that person. But just God, this part of this meeting is just for you, just to worship you. Someone said to John Wimber, I didn't like the worship this morning. And he said, that's okay, it wasn't for you. I just want to say it's so good to have uh, John and Sandy Reich back. Can you please stand, you two? It is so great to have you back in the house. This, this couple, you may not know, uh, apart from maybe Sue Trune, are probably the longest standing members of this church. And they, they're not travelers. I know John looks a bit like a traveler. He's got his beard. But, but they travel in their motorhome around the, the States, and it's just so great to have you back. So thank you. Um, As you know, church, this year, God spoke to us two things that are without just really solid. And one was that this was a time of preparation. Every prophetic voice that has come in from the outside has talked to us and given us these words, prepare, 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 get ready, get ready, get ready. And this this year, 2022, is a year of Selah. Everyone say Selah. And now say Selah. Josh and Rachel have a daughter called... Sila, but they call her Selah. So every time I say Sila, it just confuses their daughter. But it's either Selah or it's a Sila, and you can call it whatever you want. But when you talk to Rachel, call it Sila, just to annoy her. As you know, if you're at the Family Matters meeting, we are in the process of buying some land, not land so that we can just build a big box building, but land to express into the generations to come, a generation that many of us will never meet, a land that will really speak about the creativeness of God, 
And so if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you should have been at the Family Matters meeting. No, you can come and talk to us after, but pray this, I believe it's this Thursday, we're on track for closing on all of that, which is a wonderful thing. And we, this summer, and when we're able, we'll, we'll take you all out there and just uh, hopefully and, and let you see it all. But it's a year of Ceylon. I want you to, if you can turn your Bibles, I'm going to kick off here in Luke chapter 21. When you hear of wars, verse 9, when you hear of wars... And revolutions. Would you say that was applicable right now? When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened, Jesus said. Do not be frightened. For these things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilence. In various places and fearful events. Anybody experience fearful events? Put your hands up if you experience fearful events. You know, that's pretty fearful. Could be on your house, on a relationship, could be on finances, maybe on your health, but fearful events. But there will be great signs from heaven. Verse 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your head because your redemption is near. So Jesus says, when these things begin to take place, you church, I want you to stand up and I want you to lift up your head. Now, if you've been in the church for a while, you'll know that when the Bible talks about head, he talks about authority. And gates are people with authority. That's why when the psalmist says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, he's saying, lift up your heads, O you people with authority, and let the king of glory come in. The first mention of church in in, uh, Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The authority of hell will not prevail against the church because the church needs to stand up to take her stand and she needs to lift up her head. But I don't know about you, but sometimes, and Fee said this this morning when she started leading, she said, she said, sometimes it can feel like we're losing. And sometimes you can look out at the war that we're in. And the truth is, we, whether you like it or not, we were born into a war. We were born into a war that was already in motion. We were born into an eternal plan that God had before the foundation of the world that was already in motion. And I don't know about you, but there's times where bad news, and I'm a pretty optimistic person, but there's can become so much bad news, terrifying news, frightening news, fearful events, disappointing news. And you realize, gosh, we really are in a war. There really is a struggle. And some, so often we, we, we forget that Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but at principalities of darkness. And so often we fight flesh and blood, but it's actually demonic powers that we need to stand up against. And it's hitting the church like never before. And I thought, wow, sometimes I just think, devil, you really don't play fair. That person I know has had enough. And you just keep pummeling them and pummeling them and pummeling them. Hurts, accusations against people, against the church, one another, like I've never heard before. 
And so in this year of Selah, I'm not going to talk long this morning, I want to whet your appetite. Like, What should we do then? How do we stand up? How do we prepare? How do we keep our hearts clean? How do we keep our hearts soft? How do we wait for that anointing? Because we need an anointing of the Holy Ghost like never before. Amen? We, I'll say again, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit like never before. Not just mind. Romans 8 says the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. We don't like the word control, but the Bible says that the mind that is controlled by the Spirit, which means our spirit man needs to be bigger than our brains. Our spirit man, instead of like a, a little balloon that is depleted, we need to blow it up. So our spirit man gets bigger so it can control our mind until we have the mind of Christ. Otherwise, our minds get muddled with all kinds of things and we start believing all kinds of lies and, the, and suddenly we, be, we become frozen. Paralysis sets in. If we, don't do what we do, if we don't do what we do know, we become paralyzed by what we don't know. And I think one of the ploys of the enemy is to get the church across the world to become paralyzed to worry, to be so gripped with fear that paralysis sets in and we can't actually move. That's why people say when they're so terrified, they can't move and they can't speak. Fee also said this during worship, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Walking with God is a, we're a speaking people and speaking and using and the power of confession, what we say is so important that we don't fill the room with negativity and accusations against one another, but we speak well of one another and speak blessing over one another. And so I, I want to take us to a scripture where I want to go. It's in Isaiah 58, and I want to just kind of provoke us this morning of how do we ready ourselves. And if you're in a situation where you feel like I just feel, even emotionally, that, that I'm losing the battle, I feel like I'm knocked down, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm so disappointed I feel like I, I just don't know if I can even go on. When I, look at, when I look at the landscape, when I look at the things that I'm facing, it just seems to be an impossible situation. And if I'm really honest, I think I've kind of lost hope. And the Bible says that many will fall away. But church, we need to stand up and stand strong. Amen? So Isaiah 58, if you can turn there with me. Isaiah 58. Verse 6. Is not the kind of fasting, everyone say fasting. I'm going to talk about fasting today and everyone's like, oh no. Is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen, says the Lord? And this kind of fasting is to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, and set the oppressed free, and break every yoke. Wow, okay. So we're talking about the time in which we live. We're talking about the world in which we live. And here the, the prophet Isaiah is saying, and if you read the context here, he's saying, I'm not talking about uh, sackcloth. I'm not talking about, oh, woe is me. I'm not talking about a false humility that comes from the law but he starts to prophesy about God's chosen fast. Will you say that with me? God's chosen fast. 
And the fast, God says, that I have chosen for you is, number one, to loosen the chains of injustice. Just very quickly, can you raise your hand if you are facing a situation that is unjust right now? It's just unjust. I am. I'm facing a situation right now, a legal situation that is just not fair. It's unjust. It's unrighteous. Okay? Number two. To untie the cords of the yoke. Now, as you know, a yoke is the piece of wood that would go between two oxens to hold them together. But it's also a yoke is what is the teaching of a rabbi. So I think both are true here. One, that we can be burdened with things that God doesn't want us to carry and restricted by things that God doesn't want us to carry. But we can also be burdened by false teaching that burdens us, and we carry it, and Jesus wants to untie it. How do we do that? The chosen fast, God says, that I have chosen for you is to do just that. Number three, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Isn't that great? And to break every yoke. Isaiah's like, and you know what? Actually, let's just deal with this. Let's break every yoke of bondage. Let's keep reading. Is it not for you to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? To see the naked and clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? That's what Mike was talking about when he was talking about the Ukraine. Our brothers and sisters. That when we are walking in freedom, when we're walking and we've, we're walking in the fullness of this fast, then this was what happened. This will, well, it, it will set us free to be free. And one of the ways is to free to give to people that are in need, to clothe them, to feed them. And here comes the promise. Verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. It's not a great promise. Wherever there's a promise, there's an if. Well, I don't know why I'm not coming through this healing. There's a key here. It's not the only key, but I want to suggest to us one of the ways to stop, one of the ways to seal our, one of the ways to get ready and prepare ourselves is through fasting. Let's keep going. Then your healing will come quickly. Then your righteousness will go before, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call on the Lord. When you call on the Lord, he will answer you. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If, watch this. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, and then he starts to explain what it is. With the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. And the Lord will guard you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail what a great promise church i want to provoke us today to consider fasting to consider going on a fast 
Let me just clear up a few things about fasting. Number one, we fast for ourselves and not for God. God doesn't owe you anything. And here's where we can get into a dead works. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't be burdened with the yoke of slavery. Ephesians 2 talks about dead works. Not going back to dead works. That's what we've been saved from. It is by grace that we're saved and not by works so that no man can boast. Agreed? It is by grace that we're saved and not by works. So it's really important that we don't slip back into a works mentality. And this is what I mean by that. I know what I need to do. If I fast, then God will do this. But, and it sounds right, but it's off if the heart is like this. If I put in this many units of fasting, then God will owe me this many units of answers. No, no, no. We fast for ourselves. We fast to bring ourselves into a place of freedom. Some of you just need to hear that because you're like, really? Because all these days I've been fasting and it's just, it just sucks. And I'm just like, oh, I'm lightheaded and I can't work properly and I can't think properly. And yeah, I, I want to I break that bondage off you of dead works. And I also say it's prayer and fasting. So, and so if you can, find a time where you can pray, fast and pray. So it may be that in your work, you have a demanding job and it's very, very difficult for you to miss breakfast or lunch or dinner. And you're just kind of suffering out, trying to get through, hoping that God will do something. Can I just set you free of that? Don't do that anymore. It's fasting and praying. Take the time. Maybe it's like, I'm going to take, I'm going to get into this in a second. But take the time to go and get in your car during your lunch break and just spend the, t- spend the time spending with, spend it with the Lord. Rather than I'm going to fast the whole day and I'm, so I, of course, I, I don't want anyone to know I'm fasting because then I'm just a hypocrite and I'm just going to push through and Lord, I did it. That's not the kind of fast I believe God has chosen for us. Okay? God doesn't owe us anything. You don't move God's hand by, by, by doing, just doing works. All right. Should we get into this? Is this, is this helpful? I, I just want to whet our appetite. So I'm, um, just to do something slightly different, I thought I'd use an acronym. And so uh, that way you all know where we're at and you can trace and see how quickly lunch is going to be. And uh, so here we go. Number one, guys, fasting. The F is for focus. Focus. Focused, focused. Fasting gets you focused. Will you say that with me? Fasting gets you focused. It gets you focused. Fasting gets you focused. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, if you write notes, you can write this down. While they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Paul and Silas for the work for which I have called them. So what did fasting do in Acts? It got them focused. What are we to do? We're not sure. So as they were fasting and as they were worshipping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Saul and Silas. For the work that I have called them to do, Paul and Silas. Right? So it gets you focused. It gets you focused. 
It gets you focused on what's really important. Gets you, fo- you know, Jesus says the greatest of command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Fasting gets you focused. Um, number two. Fasting causes you to look at your appetite. Everyone say appetite. Appetite, the reason it, it physically affects your body and your stomach yearns for food. Your sugar levels get thrown off. You, you, and... Can I just say, this is, kind of these all go together, but it gets you focused. And one of the ways it does is your appetite calls on your body, saying, feed me. I need food. I need sugar. It makes you very aware. It makes you aware when you're walking past a bowl of chips and dip. And you're used to just grabbing it without even thinking. But suddenly, your appetite is saying, I want that. But it makes you aware of why you did this. And why you did this fast was to bring yourself into a place of focus and awareness of God. And suddenly, that bowl of M&Ms or those chips on the counter are calling your name. And you don't. You become aware there's something else going on. There's a conflict. I'm going to read this in a minute. Between my spirit and flesh. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, the spirit and the flesh are in conflict with one another so that we don't do what we want. Powerful, huh? The spirit. Everyone say the spirit. And the flesh are in conflict with one another so that we don't do what we want. So when we say no to that, we're feeding our spirit man. Because Paul says if you sow to, the, to the, um, the spirit, it brings life. But if you sow to the flesh, it brings death. Not that eating's wrong, but what it does is it causes your spirit man to get, be- to get bigger. But it causes you to become more aware. It becomes, it becomes you know the word Entertainment. The word entertainment, the word tame, means to take a hold of. Watch this. This is powerful. So to entertain means to that which is enters you to take a hold of you. We live in a world of entertainment. I don't have the stats on me how many pictures and images we see. That's why the Bible says take hold of, take captive every thought and imagination, image, Imagination, image, nation, imagination. We live in a nation of images that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And I would say more like ever before, that we live in a time where our imagination is being bombarded with images and information. And Paul says, take every thought captive that sets itself. It actually sets itself like, like a wall that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I also just say this, just because something's captive, it doesn't mean it's gone. If you put someone and capture them and put them in prison, it doesn't mean they're gone. They can still get out. And that's why it's a walk of the Christian faith to constantly be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Paul says in Romans 12, he says, then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing, and acceptable will. How? By the, by the renewing of our minds. Therefore, can I caution us? 
in this time of Selah. Caution us in this time of getting ready to watch what happens with our minds. Watch what you allow in. Watch which enters you to take a hold of you. The word amuse, by the way, muse means to think. Amuse means to not think. Amusement. The world we live in today, a world of amusement, is to not think. We have a generation right now who are not thinking. You ever talk to a child recently, and, uh, and the child is, you start talking to them, excuse me, and you start talking to the child, and they're just, they, they won't even engage with you. Hello? Yeah. You talk, say hi, and nothing. And you're like, okay, what's your name? Because there's a generation who growing up of amusements means, means to not think. Too much for a Sunday? Okay. All right. Keep going on. Daniel chapter 7. Sorry, yeah, Daniel chapter 7 says this. In the last days before the ancient of days comes, the enemy will come to wear down the saints. Another translation is, says weary the saints. Everyone say weary. You know the word weary means to make old before it's time. Just be honest for a moment. Just hands up if you've been in a season where you feel like I'm old before my time. A couple of you. Hands up if you wake up feeling exhausted. Hands up if you wake up feeling worn down. Can I suggest to you, this is a, is a ploy of the enemy. This is why it's a spiritual battle. I'm not becoming super spiritual, like, well, maybe you just didn't, need to get, you got, you didn't get a good night's sleep. Fine. But I also want to suggest there is a weariness that comes. That's why the Bible says, don't become weary in doing good. Isaiah says, I, the Lord, do not grow weary. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to, come to me, all of you who are weary. Matthew 11, 28. And I will give you rest. For pay, Watch this. Take my yoke, my teachings, upon you. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Can you see a theme here? There's a weariness going. And we need to stand up against it. Recognize it. I'm not going to lose this day through weariness. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my lunch. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy. No. Because I'm going to change my appetite. I'm not going to feed on negativity. I'm not going to feed on death. I'm not going to feed on those stats. I'm not going to feed on the lies of the enemy. If we believe a lie, we empower the liar. He is the father of lies. He really is a liar, church. And I'm just saying this today just to get this out. Just the word of God into our spirit, man, so we can think about this, that it would sit, set, it would take root and start bearing fruit. I'm going to be careful with my appetite. Fasting gets you focused. Fasting gives you an appetite, causes you to look at your appetite of awareness for what's going in to your eye gate, into your mouth, into your body, into your atmosphere. What will you let in? Number three, it softens the heart. Fasting softens the heart. Will you, will you say that with me? Fasting softens the heart. I have a pretty strong personality, or so I hear. <laughs> Rachel. <sighs> you know, sometimes our own strength can get in the way. 
Do you know sometimes, I'll speak for myself, maybe I won't say us anymore, I'll just say me. You know church sometimes for me, my own personality, my own opinions, don't say yes that part, love. He's like, yep, amen, it's true, come on. If he's going to take up an offering for a minute. <laughs> and what fasting does is, is it, it shuts things down. That hardness. Uh, because you physically become more frail. You physically, I, I don't know if I can fight I physically don't have, I, I, I've become focused on something else. I've become focused on Jesus. I've been focused on him. I don't really have an appetite for the things that I did before. I, I, my heart's starting to soften. My heart is becoming tender. Piano players, before often they'll go and play in a concert, they'll put sandpaper on the tips of their fingers so their fingers become more sensitive to playing. When a God starts to soften our hearts, it starts to break things down. Your body starts to break down. Your personality starts to break down. It softens you. A few years ago, I was flying to England and It's a young couple in the church, got married young. The child, the first, they got pregnant very quickly, and the child was born with Down syndrome, which was an absolute delight to this couple. But the initial thoughts and emotions that went with that and then coming out the other side she then got pregnant again and when she went in for a scan the doctor says you have cancer stage four and you're going to die she did die she left her young husband with their child I could tell you of four different stories like that that all happened at the same time. Tragic, painful, loss, hurt, agony, disappointment, questions why. And I was asked to go over and we were, Fee and I, leading the church there at that time from here. <laughs> I was just tired. I was disappointed. Round the clock praying, believing, pushing, doing everything we knew to see God do a breakthrough. We believed it. People praying are literally around the world for this family. And I got on the plane and I always ask this question, is it a full flight? She said, yes, every seat's taken. I said, great. So I was sitting at the back by the toilets and I sat down. And I don't like being on a plane any longer than I have to. So I'm not one of those people like my wife who likes to be there early. I like to be there when they call my name. It makes me feel special. <laughs> Last call for Mr. Reynolds. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> so I sat down and I thought, well, I'm the last person here. And 
I was just getting comfy and someone said, excuse me, you're in my seat. I said, no, I'm not. They said, yes, you are. I thought, okay. So I got up and I showed them my ticket. Sure enough, I was in the right seat. So this lady said, actually, you're in my seat. And she showed me her ticket, and it was the same seat. I said, okay, no problem. Um, and everybody's kind of watching and listening. So I said, no problem. Why don't you sit here? You sit here, and I'll just wait. So I stood up, and I'm chatting to people, you know, making them laugh because it's hot and sweaty and everyone's in a bad mood. And I said, um, don't, I said, don't worry, everybody. It's okay. I'm more than happy to be moved to the front pointy part of the plane. <laughs> they're like, ha, ha, yeah, whatever. Well, this gentleman came and he said, can I see your ticket? I said, sure. He said, that's not your seat. I said, well, it says it's my seat. He said, no, you were given another ticket when you got on the plane. I said, I was? He said, yeah. I said, well, where is it? He said, go and, have a, where, go and have a look. I gave it to you. So I went through my bag, and sure enough, I pulled out this ticket. And I said, where's this? He said, it's at the very front of the plane. <laughs> I said, I told you all. I'm going to the front pointy point of the plane. <laughs> now, during this time, because of where I was at, I thought, I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast the whole time I'm in, I'm in England. So... I'm fasting. I'm not eating food. And suddenly, this gentleman with a white glove and this... Now, I've, only flown, I've never flown first class in my life, except for when I was a young kid with my parents. And someone had a prophetic word. My mum wanted to go back to her childhood home. And we were all young kids. And we were a family of seven. And we got to all go to India to see where my mum grew up. And someone had a prophetic word on the Sunday that we all left and said, God's got some some things up his sleeve for you. Well, when we got to the, to the airport, to, the, to board the plane, they bumped us literally to first class, like in the bubble, you know, the 747s when you're upstairs, like, and you can go and actually sit in the cockpit back in that day, you know. So it was really cool. But that's the only time I've ever found first class. Well, here I am. I walk through business. I walk through into first class, and there's a black, you know, curtain, and there's this gentleman. There's, like, eight seats, like the big ones, you know, with, like, big, like, domes. <laughs> And I just walked and I went, this is amazing. He's like, shh. Yeah. He's a... And then this lady with half-moon glasses kind of looked over her glasses at me like, first time in first class. I'm like, yeah. But I didn't care. I, f I felt like Fee. I don't care who knows that. I'm really happy. You know, Fee will always just, Fee's really excited. She's like, I'm like, babe, just be cool. Like, be cool. She's like, no, this is amazing. Well, this is how I thought. This was great. So I went back to the guys in the other two cabins down. I said, hey, by the way, don't be using my toilet. And I bought restrooms. No, you can't. Anyway, so I was sitting there, and the guy said, welcome. We said, would you like orange juice? Would you like champagne? Would you like caviar? Would you like filet mignon? Would you like short ribs? What would you like, sir? <laughs> uh, and I sat down in this literally... I remember I watched Robert Roger Rabbit as it just came out, and it was so fun all the way to England. Anyway, he put this lovely tablecloth and he just put it on the table. And as he walked away, the Holy Spirit says, I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You're about to land in disappointment and death, discouragement, loss. 
Lord, I want to, I've, I wanted, I've been wanting to prepare your heart to set captives free. Now, I'd like to tell you that I fasted all the way through. I didn't because I did feel like with that whole scripture, you know, if he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies, it would be really rude not to eat. So for eight hours I did, but then I went back. So we started in a different country. The next day, same time zone. This, it was kind of a little sketchy, but the Lord was right. He was fine because he, he made the table and he prepared. Anyway, whatever. Number four, number four, it trains, it trains us. Fasting trains you, fasting trains you. First Corinthians 9 says anyone who goes into games and wants to win the prize goes into strict training. Will you say that with me? Strict training. Training. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, hey, if you want to run and you want to win, he says in the normal race, they get it to get a trophy. But we get it to win, to win a prize that is eternal. So run in such a way as to win the prize. And then Paul says this, I buffet, not buffet, same word, but I buffet my body. Another translation says, I make it a slave. I make it a slave so when I teach to others, I myself may not be disqualified from the race. What, what, here's another thing that fasting does, church, is it trains us. You know, in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, we've talked about this before. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We did this at the, Chil the Raising Generations seminar last Saturday. Uh, which was amazing, by the way. I'm just so thankful for everyone that came. Fee and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But we talked about the word meekness and how where the word meekness came from. It came from the training of horses, and they would take horses, and they would train them some for, for, for plowing fields, but the best were trained for warfare. And these horses that were trained for warfare, the best of the best, could run into a battle with no fear. They could stop in a second, just at the nudge of a rider's nudge. Legs, just kicking them, they would, they would stop. They learned obedience. They learned power. They learned authority. Watch this. Those horses were called the meeked. So when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, what Jesus is actually saying is, blessed are the trained, for they will inherit the earth. And one of the things that fasting does is it trains us. It's something that we don't really want to talk about anymore. Discipline, authority, hard work, obedience. And I want to suggest that's part of the, the, the world that we live in. Reaction to, a, to an error leads us into another error. Well, that, that was abusive. So we, we, we so react to the error of abuse or authority that we don't believe in any authority anymore. But that's when I read my Bible. Authority and is so intrinsically connected to the anointing. Understanding authority. Coming under authority. Submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, room went quiet. See, feel my point? Okay. All right. But tr that's what training does. It trains us. It trains our minds. I said it earlier, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. I, 
is for impurities. It remo- fasting removes impurities. It removes impurities for intimacy. I could have used either one of those words, intimacy or impurities. The reason I use impurities is because every time, I used to do a 40-day fast every year. And I'm, I'm, I'm headed to going into an extended fast for this summer. And whenever I would announce to my family that I was going to start a fast, they would all say, oh, no. And again, this breaks the religiosity around fasting. Because when I fast, I get really irritated. I get short with people. Why? Because everything's off, especially those first three days where you don't have the things, whether it be caffeine or food or sugars. And suddenly, you know, even in the natural, have you ever smelt the breath of someone who's fasting? It's like, whoa, please don't pray for me. (laughs) Why? Because the impurities are actually physically coming out on their tongue. It's gross. But first the natural, then the spiritual. In the spiritual, it's the same thing. As we fast, it brings all the junk to the top. It brings the dross to the surface. So when you're fasting, don't be a hypocrite like, oh, I'm so godly. Look at me. I'm just floating along. I am. I'm just holier than thou. Probably if you're truthful, you're irritated. You're frustrated. Everything's coming out now. Everything's getting messed up and unsettled. That's why my family say, oh, no, stay away from dad. I remember Sydney Lopnow once saying, oh, no, you're not fasting again. Stay away from Dan. Because it brings stuff to the top. Is this helpful? Church, I just want to encourage us. It's like we we need to get ready. How do we get ready? We're in a war. How do we prepare ourselves? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with have divine power to pull down strongholds. And I want to suggest to us that uh, the, the anointing is here. It's not like we're waiting for the anointing. It's not we're, like we're waiting for the weapons, the, the full armor of God. We have them. But I want to suggest to us that as we start fasting, on whatever that means to you, it will start to get you focused. It will start to touch your appetite. It will soften your heart. It will start to train you in ways that you've not been trained in before. It will cause impurities to come to the surface. And it, number six, nearly there, it navigates. It helps us navigate. Fasting will help you navigate through the noise, I wrote. Through the noise. Through the noise of life. There's so much noise. There's so much chatter. If you talk to a news reporter, we have one in the church in Chicago. She works for Channel uh, 5 News. She'll, she'll use this language. I'm just watching the chatter level. What's the chatter level on the news? What's the chatter level in the city? What's the chatter level on social media? What's the chatter level? What are people talking about? What are people concerned about? 
when you fast, it helps you navigate through the noise, through the noise. Voices and choices, voices and choices. This is why Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. I'm nearly done. And go into the room and close the door. Everyone say, close the door. I say, I went to Jess that when you fast, and we're going to do this as a church, and by that, I don't mean everyone's going to do a 40-day fast. You, you've got to decide. It's like giving. Whatever God puts on your heart, we'll give clear instructions, and we'll give handouts. And, but you watch, church. If God says, get yourself ready, I want to suggest that this is one of the ways that we get ourselves ready. Not by just going without a meal and performing dead works, but by becoming focused to getting our appetite of awareness of what's going on. To soften our hearts, to train us, to allow impurities to come to the surface, to navigate through the noise, to navigate through. Oh. Close the door. When you pray, close the door. Maybe it's closing the door of, of your phone. I'm just going to go, I'm going to leave that. It was Josh Luke Smith when he was here. He says, being alone doesn't mean with your phone. You can't be alone with your phone. Alone is alone. No phone. I want to challenge you, some of you that just to fast your phone. One day, one day, you know what it will do? Get you focused. You know what it will do? It will shift your appetite. You know what it will do? It will soften your heart. You know what it will do? It will start training you. You know what it will do? It will start bringing impurities to the surface. You know what it will do? It will help you start to navigate. It will start to navigate through the noise. Why? Because I'm, the voices and the choices are going quiet. I don't have to be on my phone. I don't have to know what, what's happening here and happening there. I just want to... Close the door. Close the door. And I want to be with Jesus. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. All creation is waiting for you and me. If it's not now, when? If it's not us, who? This is it. We can seize the day. Or we can just keep going until we all die and God will wait for another generation. And he will. But the Bible says in Peter, we can hasten the day of his return. I want to suggest we can actually bring Jesus back. We can. He's waiting for us. He's giving time and he's being patient for the world's sake. So they've got time for everyone to be healed because it's his will that no man perish, but all come to the knowledge of him. But how? Through us. Number seven. G. It goes to the root. Fasting will get you to the root. It will cause you to go to the root of the issue. Watch this. I'm going to close with this. Matthew 17, verse 21. Jesus says, this type only comes out through prayer and fasting. So often when Jesus said that, if you read the context, Jesus hadn't, it doesn't say that Jesus was fasting. And so I want to suggest that when you fast means when you fast, that it's actually a rhythm and a part of our Christian life. It's just a part of, it's actually really good for your body too, just to stop eating. Some of you find it very easy. I do not. (laughs) 
And some of you need to be careful if you fast, because if you turn, si turn sideways, we won't even know where you've gone. So I, I'm aware of that. Other people, it's probably a good thing. Lose a few pounds. Yeah, okay. But it gets to the root. This time only comes out through prayer and fasting. This type only, talking about the demonic realm, talking about demons, this type only come out through prayer and fasting. What does that mean? It means the fasting and praying caused, is Jesus is saying, will help you get to the root. And if we get to the root, then we deal with the fruit. So often we pick off the bad fruit, but we never go to the root. But if you deal with the root, it'll affect the fruit. Well, that's a bad apple. That's a bad apple. That's a bad apple. Maybe stop pulling off bad apples and say, why is this tree creating bad apples? Let's stop looking at the fruit and let's go to the root and deal with the issue. And if it's demonic, let's deal with the demonic. But I also want to suggest that so often we don't have the power and the authority that we should be walking in because it's not because you didn't fast. Watch this. Well, you didn't fast. It's, it's not just because you didn't fast. It's the whole, it's the, the letter kills, Paul says, but the spirit brings life. It's the spirit behind it. It's the heart behind it. It's the, I need to get focused. It's the need, it's the, it's the I need to look at my appetite. It's my heart isn't in a good place. Sometimes I, sometimes I realize my, my own opinions are actually in the way of myself. And honestly, if I can just say it like this, it's shut up, Dan. Just be quiet. Yes, but I've got an opinion. No one cares. Shh. Shh. Selah. Selah. But for me to do that, this is what I have to do. I need to fast and pray so I can have a breakthrough with God. No, I need to fast so I can get focused. I need to fast so that I can really look at my appetite. What is actually, what am I feeding on? Because what I feed grows and what I starve dies. What I feed grows and what I starve dies. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. So, I don't know where I'm at, but I think I'm done. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together, can we? I know time's gone. All right, a minute early. Look at that. Got time to pray. Just put your hands out like this. Take a deep breath. Thanks, Michael. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Just start talking to him, will you? Talk to him in a heavy language. Talk to, him in, talk to him in English. Talk to him about your heart. I'm going to fill this room right now with the word of God. I'm going to read where we started. I'm going to read Isaiah 58. I'm going to read the challenge and I'm going to read the promise. Some of us, you've, before I read this, have... You've fasted before. You've, some of you have been so disciplined in this area. But again, I want to say this. You don't fast for God. You fast for you. God doesn't owe you anything. I fast for me, not for the Lord. The Lord doesn't owe me anything. I was up early this morning and I was thinking about <laughs> that moment on the plane. Overwhelmed by traveling first class. $10,000 ticket when I paid 700 
And I was reminded of something that is about pilots. And they say this, that pilots make the most mistakes in their careers after they've been flying for 25 years. Because they're so used to the routine. They're so used to the routine. They're so used to, I know this. I've got this. I know the switches. I know the gauges. It's second nature to me. I just know what to do. It's at those at that point in their career that they're prone to crash a plane, to put people's lives at risk. And I just want to say this. I believe today is more important and where the Holy Spirit is taking us as a church. Because he wants us to break us out of, I know this, I do this, I've done this. Even if you've been doing it for 25 years, 35, 45 years, as I pray this prayer, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to break in to us right now today, on this day. That this will be a moment where each one of us, including myself, will see last, say love. Where each one of us will start saying, God, I need to get my heart ready. I need to be ready. I need your, your power like never before. I need to move in your authority, in the dominion that you've given me like never before. I need to hear your voice. I need to get, I need to get focused. I need my appetite. I need my heart to be softened. I need to be trained. I need impurities to come to the surface. I need to know how to navigate through the noise and get to the root. For this then is the kind of fast that I've chosen to loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke and set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not for you to share your food with the hungry and provide for the poor, wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. And then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will come quickly. And then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you will call on the Lord and he will answer you. You will cry for him and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose water never fails thank you lord so much for this day i thank you for everyone in this room those watching online or watching later that as we stand as you as we read in luke that when these things began to happen, I want you to stand up. I want you to lift up your head and not be frightened. 
God, we just position ourselves in this second, in this moment, to say as your people, as a part of your army across this earth, your body, your house, that you'll find in us a people who are ready. And let it start today, let it start with us, a people getting ready, a people getting ready, a people getting ready for what you have next in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Enjoy the sunshine today. Lift up your head. He is the lifter of our head. He's the God who gives us joy. Go and give someone a hug. Shake their hand and 